So today we're going to be talking about Peter walking on water and what we can get from that to accomplish great things. That was a great accomplishment. Have you ever walked on water? No. So it's a great thing for a human being besides Christ Jesus to actually walk on water. No lie, when I was younger, I was at my friend's house about a block away from my house, and we had a pool, and um, <laughs> and so we were all trying to, like, walk on water. We're like, all right, if Peter could do it, we could do it, guys. And so I'm telling you, for, like, probably 20 minutes there, we sat there, like, we're going to walk on water, bloop, every time, walk on water, bloop, all of us were going in, I'm like, dang it. And so... I asked my friend's mom, I said, what do I need to do to walk on water? Because I know it's possible. And she says, you got to have faith. And so I'm sitting there sucking myself up. I'm like, dude, you believe in Jesus, right? Yes, you do. And I was like, all right, here we go. Bloop. Every single time. I did that a few times after I'm like, okay, i got to have greater faith. Every single time I stepped into that pool, I went down to the bottom. I look like an idiot. Um, so I, I asked myself later on, like, through the years I thought about that moment. I'm like, okay, I, I know I needed faith, but why couldn't I? The reason is, is because the reason I wanted to walk on water was for my glory. Because I know me. I would have been a little entrepreneur at that time. I would have been like, all right, if you want to see somebody walk on water, come over here to my friend's house. We're going to give me some money, and we're going to be walking all over the water. All right, I want you to be walking on water to make me money. But Peter was able to walk on water because he was walking to Jesus. So there's a huge difference between doing something and having faith for our own glory and doing things for the glory of of God. So we're going to hop into Matthew 14, 22 through 31. If you can put that up there for me, guys. It says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because of the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water come, he said. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Let's pray. Father, in this moment, I ask you to empower me. I pray that you would fill me up. I pray that your words would come out of my mouth. And I pray that your words would pierce the hearts of everybody in here. 
and that you would speak to us. You would work on our hearts to make us more like Christ and empower us to do everything that you have called us to do to accomplish great things for your glory. May be you glorified this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So everybody wants to accomplish great things. If you don't want to accomplish great things, why are you living? Like, what's the purpose of even living life if you don't want to accomplish something great? So some people, I want to graduate high school. I want to go to college. I want to have a, a nice career, make lots of money. I want to have kids. I want to raise successful kids. I want to cure cancer. I want to do all these things. Cool. That's cool. But as Christians, if those things are your main goal, your priorities are jacked up. Because raising successful kids, curing cancer, does nothing if there's no eternal purpose for it. Anybody can be cured of cancer, and then they're going to die from something else, go to hell. So what is our purpose? What is our, our focus? Is our focus eternal, or is it just for this temporary time on this earth? None of those things are bad in and of themselves, but we just have to have a focus that's eternal. Matthew six nineteen through 21 It says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So we have to have an eternal purpose. I tell this to my youth. Actually, I probably say this every time I speak anywhere because I think we need to go back to the basics. Your purpose... If you didn't know already, your purpose that you were created for is to have a relationship with God. After you have that relationship, your next purpose is to introduce Christ to others so they can have that relationship with God. You can do all these other things to accomplish great things for yourselves, but if that's not the purpose, if that's not the focus, then you're doing it in vain. That's the greatest thing you could do is to have that relationship with Christ and bring others into that relationship. So if we're going to do great things for God, there's three things that we need to do. Number one, we need to walk toward Jesus. Jesus told Peter, come. Come over here. And so Peter got out of the boat and he began walking on water. The day before, um, Jesus just fed thousands of people. So he, he did this great miracle. The next day, he empowered Peter to do a great miracle. Jesus can work through us to do great things for his glory. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So not only does Jesus do great things, but he empowers us to do great things for his glory, for our good, and for the good of those 
around us. We need to walk toward Jesus. And under each main point, I have, a, I have two subpoints. So the first subpoint under that is we need to be close. If we're going to walk towards Jesus, we need to be close to Jesus. Every morning when I'm getting my kids ready for school, after I'm done uh, fixing them breakfast, getting them dressed, and picking out Tiana's hair, her, her fro gets kind of crazy in the mornings. So after doing all that stuff, I go to the fridge, actually to the freezer, and get the ice pack that's in there and put it inside her lunch box. So because of that ice pack being in the freezer, I can transfer that coldness to the lunchbox so her food stays cold that day. In the same way, if we stay close to God and are filled with his love and his character and his goodness, everything he fills us with, we can then go out and transfer that and deliver that to other people. But we must remain close to Christ. 1 Corinthians 5, 19, 20, I love this. It says, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Listen, you as a Christian have been given the message, the responsibility of reconciliation, of bringing people to God. And too many times we just live our lives like, I'm just going to do things for myself. But he has given you the responsibility. And if you don't do it, nobody else will. And we as a church, I don't know if you know what church means. It means the called out ones. We are the ones that are supposed to go out on Christ's behalf to impact this world, to bring others into a relationship with him. Listen, we need to spend time with God on a daily basis. I tell my youth all the time that the more time you spend with somebody, the more they rub off on you. The more you start acting like them. So the more time you spend with God, the more you're going to act like God. His characteristics are going to overflow onto other people. And so I just want to encourage you to, to spend time with God on a daily basis. Be close to him. We talked about in Sunday school how we're supposed to pray without ceasing, be in constant communication with God. You spend time with people who are important to you. You make time for things that are important to you. I'm sure many of us yesterday sat down, either went to the game or sat down in front of a TV to watch the game. Now, is Jesus that important to us? Do we make time for him? Do we spend time with him on a daily basis? So right now, are you close to God? The second thing is this. Walk towards Jesus. We need to be close, but we also need to be intentional. So Peter made an intentional choice to hop out of that boat and to walk towards Jesus. It didn't just automatically happen like, I guess I'm just going to hop out of the boat. No, he, he made a choice that I'm going to walk towards Jesus. I'm stepping out on faith, and I'm walking to him. I was a, uh, I played baseball in high school and college. I'll tell you this, I've never, and Scott can agree with me on this, I never got up to bat and put the bat right here and closed my eyes and just hope that the ball hits it. Like, I made an intentional choice. I'm going up there hacking. Like, I, if I, the first opportunity I get, I am, like, ripping the ball. 
I would have never been successful just by hoping that something happens. I wanted to make it happen. We have to make an intentional choice to walk towards Christ, to develop a relationship with Christ. So if we're going to do something great for Jesus, we must plan to do something great for Jesus. We need to set goals. It's like if you're wanting to buy a house, you're not just going to be like, okay, well, I'm going to buy a house, and so I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing right now, and eventually it happen. No, you got to say, I'm going to set money aside. I'm going to prepare myself so I'm able to buy a house. We got to set goals. If you want to do something great for Christ, you got to set goals. In the morning, I want to be close, so I'm going I'm to spend time with him. Tomorrow when I go to school, when I go to work, I'm going to make sure I talk to this person that I know is lost. Befriend them. Start a relationship with them. Failing to plan is planning to fail. So if you don't plan on doing something great for Christ, 100% you will never do something great for Christ. And, And I've heard many people say this, and I've said it myself, but when God gives me the opportunity... I'm going I'm to do something great. When God gives me an opportunity to witness to this person, I'm going to do it. When God gives me an opportunity to minister to these people, I'm going to do it. Well, listen, God gives you his, a, an opportunity every single day to impact someone's life. Stop waiting for this big, clear opportunity and start serving God where you are right now. And he's going to open up doors for you to do something greater. But you got to start doing it now. I, I tell the youth that we, we need to wait on God, right? We need to wait on God. The Bible says that. But in the same way, I, I like to say this. Who serves you at your table? A waiter. So wherever you are in that moment, you need to be serving God. You might be waiting for something bigger and better, but in the moment, you got to continue to serve. Continue to serve until he opens up something bigger. But we have to be intentional. We have to make plans to do things for Christ. We don't need to waste our lives on ourselves. Luke 9, 23, it says, and this is our our verse for the youth group. Then he said to them all, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. We talked about this Wednesday night in youth, that this life isn't our own. This life, we need to die to ourselves. And one of my friends is a, is a hip-hop artist, and he says, as Christians, I guess we're suicidal because we take our old selves, put them on the cross, and crucify them. So we as Christians, in a way, should be suicidal. We should be dying to ourselves every single day so that we can live for Christ. The Christian life isn't a, a, just a, a ticket to heaven. It's responsibility to be Christ here on this earth while we're still here. So we need to intentionally die to self each and every day. We need to intentionally set goals and do things for Christ every single day. And eventually he's going to open up something great for you to do. But why should he give you responsibility to do something great if you can't do the little things? So we need to make sure that we're serving God where we are. So are you intentionally doing great things for Jesus daily? Are you setting goals? 
So we need to walk towards Jesus, to be close, to be intentional. But number two, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Peter began walking on the water, and then he saw the wind and the waves. He saw the storm around him blowing, and the waves were coming up, and he started focusing on those things, and he began to sink. And we do the same thing. We get so focused on the storm around us that we begin to take our eyes off Jesus. We start to do things on our own, and it never works out. And so under that, we need to be courageous. We need to be courageous. In this life, you're going to go through storms. If you haven't hit a storm, you must live in a bubble. Because you're going to go through storms in this life. It's going to be tough. You're not going to want to go on. You're, want, you're going to want to give up every once in a while. But we need to be courageous because we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, understanding that he's going to sustain us, that he's going to empower us to keep on walking toward him, to continue to do things for him. So we don't need to be focused on the overwhelming conditions around us. We need to be focused on the one that controls those conditions. Um, my senior year of high school, uh, we were playing Deland High School, and um, at the end of that year, this kid got drafted first round um, to the Texas Rangers, and when we went to play them, all my, uh, like, not all of them, but many of my teammates were like, oh, man, we lost. What? Because this kid threw, in high school, threw 99 miles per hour. He threw gas. So <laughs> this kid could bring it. He had an arm. Threw 99 miles per hour. And so we're like, man, we lost already. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, listen, he puts on his pants the same way you do. Get up and have some confidence in yourselves, and let's go out there and hit the ball. Let's win the game. Um, confidence as an athlete is huge. Sometimes if you watch professional athletes, it kind of turns into a little bit of cockiness and arrogance if you see that. Um, but to be great, you have to have some confidence, not cockiness. You have to have some confidence in your abilities to do what you're supposed to do. And in the same way, as a Christian, if you're going to do something great for Christ, you have to have confidence in him that he's going to equip you to do that. Psalm 23, 4, we need to be courageous. So, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. We need to have courage because Jesus has us. He's never failed you. He's never failed me. I don't think he plans on doing it tomorrow or the next day. He's going to continue to sustain us as long as we just trust in him. So are you being courageous or are you allowing the storms around you to bring fear into your life for you to give up? What are you doing? Do you have confidence in Christ that he's going to empower you, that he's going to get you through the, the tough times to be able to accomplish something great. So we need to be courageous, but also we need to be discerning. So Peter needed to discern whether he should freak out because of the storms around him or he should focus and trust in Christ. Listen, the enemy, Satan, is always whispering 
in our ears. He's always telling us there's something greater outside of Christ. He was, the first thing he did with Eve, he told her, oh, did God really say you can't eat this fruit? I, I, I think you can eat it. He just don't want you to become like him. So if you eat it, you can become like him and know all things, and, and you can be even greater. And so Satan tells us that there's so much more outside of Christ, which is a lie. And, and he does the same thing to us every single day. Hey, man, watch this. Who, who cares? Do this. Drink this. Take this. It's going to bring so much more satisfaction than Christ. Are you falling into that temptation? Are you discerning what's good, what's of God, and what's not of God? Satan is, is saying, make your life here on earth something great. Take everything this world has to offer and make the best of it. When Jesus says, listen, this world isn't your home. You're just here temporary. In this world, you're going to suffer. This isn't, this isn't your place to make a life for yourself. This is your place to live for me to impact others so that you can bring other people into the kingdom of God so we can have a life there together. I have a few verses up here that talks about that. Um, Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven. Hebrews 13.14, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. 1 Peter 2.11, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very soul. This earth that we live in is not our home. If you read through Revelation at the very end, it says this earth is going to pass away and he's going to create a new earth where we're all going to live together as Jesus as our king in total satisfaction. We're not just going to live in the clouds. We're going to live on a new earth, like a real place, together as Jesus as our king. And many of the, the homeless people that I work with love to say this, that Jesus was homeless, which he was. So they, they like to, to say that as something to keep them going. And I wrote this a while back. Um, it says, I've been traveling through this world for so long, trying to do things to fit in, but I don't belong. Under pressure from the outside to do wrong, but he who lives inside of me, he keeps me strong. I walk by faith, trying to keep my feet moving. Because when I stop and enjoy the scenery, I start losing there's no satisfaction found in earthly things. The only satisfaction found is in the king of kings. For me to make my bed here in this wasteland is like trying to carry water with my bare hands. It don't make sense. So why do it? I'd rather keep my pace going and moving through it. And his presence is the place I call home. That's where I'm heading, but my goal is not to go alone. I'm trying to bring hope to the hopeless. While traveling through this world, I'm homeless. Listen, this world is not for us to enjoy. This world is not for us to make a life for ourselves. And I'm going to be totally honest. Mary, hope you don't care. But if, if Michael and Danny end up homeless one day, but they're, and they're living under a bridge, but they're serving Jesus, I'd much rather that happen than them to live in a, a great mansion raising hell. 
much rather them be living under a bridge, serving Jesus, doing something for the kingdom of God, than being successful in the world's eyes, doing nothing. We can't sit there and think this life is what it's all about. It's not. It's all about Christ. It's all about bringing people to know him so that we can all be together in his presence one day. So are you discerning what's best for your life? Are you falling into temporary pleasures or are you looking at fulfillment in Christ, eternal fulfillment? So if we're going to do something great, we need to walk towards Jesus. We need to be close to him. We need to be intentional. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus, be courageous, be discerning. And lastly, we need to trust in Jesus. Peter sank due to his lack of trust in that moment. Okay? So Peter did something great. He was walking on water. I've never done it. I tried. I already told you that. So he did something great. But then, in that moment, once he saw everything around him, he sank because his lack of faith, his lack of trust in that very moment. But suddenly, right when he went down, he looked up to Jesus and he said, save me. And the Bible says that Jesus reached down and pulled him up. We need to be expectant. should be up there. We need to be expectant. When God calls us to do something, when he tells you to do something, you need to trust him and expect him to equip you to do it. He's not going to call you to do something to fail. He's going to call you to do something because he's going to want to make himself famous for other people to see him work. He didn't call little David to go kill a giant and just leave him to himself. He was with him. And in fact, David gives him all the credit. He says, the Lord is fighting against you to Goliath. The Lord won this battle. So we need to be expectant that Jesus is going to equip us. Hebrews 13, 21. May he equip you with all you need for doing his will. God's going to equip you. He's going to empower you. But you got to take that first step in doing what he's telling you to do. you got to be obedient. Um, and speaking of knowing God's will, uh, let me say this. I- I'll give you actually an example just to help paint the picture. My kids, probably a month or so back, I told them to go clean up the room. Um, and all I heard was, why, Daddy, why? I said, because I told you to. Like, you don't have to know why. It's none of your business to know why. Yeah, it's good sometimes to tell them why. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's still none of their business, whether I tell them or not. Like, if I tell you to clean your room, you're going to clean your room. Or you have a, a little belt behind you. So, it's none of our business to know what God is even calling us to do. Your life, once you give it to Christ, doesn't belong to you anymore. But, but D-Rob, this is my life. I, no, it's not. If Jesus saved you, you belong to him, you gave your life to Christ, his will for your life, honestly, is none of your business. We don't like to hear it, but that's the truth. God's will for you is none of our business. Now, well, then how are we going to know what to do? He'll tell you what step to take. He puts desires in our hearts to 
accomplish his will for our lives. I met a, this missionary while I was at college, um, at the Baptist College of Florida. He came to visit, and I got in a conversation with him. Um, he was telling me how he was, uh, he went down to the Dominican, and he lived there for many years. And while he was there, because of his faith, he got thrown into prison there. And this kind of always stuck with me after he told me the story. He's like, yeah, I went there. I got thrown into prison. He says, and by the way, over there in prison, there ain't no three meals a day. There's no, you don't even know when you get out. They don't tell you when, how long you're in there for. They don't tell you when you're getting fed. And he says, you're constantly just looking over your shoulder, especially if you don't know the language. It's like, it, it's freaky. He says, David, if God would have told me when I go to the Dominican that I'm going to be thrown into prison, I probably wouldn't have gone. So God just told me to go to the Dominican. He didn't tell me the whole full picture. He just told me to go, and so I went. And because I went, I was able to accomplish great things. So David, you might not know everything that God's calling you to do, but he said it's okay. The Bible says that his word is a, a, a lamp into our feet. That means he doesn't show us the whole entire plan. He shows us the next step. What is God calling you to do? What's the next step you need to take? Stop worrying about the big picture. It's none of your business. Do what God has called you to do in the moment. Um, <laughs> the military, you think about them. Mr. Ivan, where are you at? Larry, all y'all back there. <laughs> if Once you signed over your life to the military, you belong to the United States of America, right? And they expected you to give your life to them. At war, bullets are flying. You're not going to put your tail between your legs and run. You were called to fight. You're committed to the United States of America. As a Christian, once you give your life to Christ, it doesn't matter if the bullets are flying or not. You're supposed to fight. You're supposed to keep pushing on. Live for Christ. Do something great for him because it's not about you anymore. It's not about me anymore. It's not making my name great anymore. It used to be. Sports was my thing. I wanted to go play major leagues. My friend now is in the major leagues making tons of money, and I'm not making tons of money. And so it's all about Christ. So are you expecting God to equip you to do what he's called you to do? When he's calling you to do something great, do you truly believe that he's going to make you great, make you good enough to do it, or are you going to give up? What's God calling you to do? Who's he telling you to speak to? What is he telling you to change? And then lastly, for next thing is be repentant. Right away, right away, when Peter said, Lord, save me. I need help. Jesus reached down, grabbed him, and pulled him up. Too often, we, we either are too ashamed to turn back to God after we fall. By the way, you will fall. <laughs> you, you will fail. When God calls you to do something great, even when he calls you, 
you will still fall because you're human. Unfortunately, that's not an excuse, but it's going to happen. You're going to fail every once in a while, but we need to be repentant. But two times, too many times, we're, we're ashamed. I don't want to turn to God, man. He's, he's, he's going to hate me. He don't love me anymore because everything that I'm doing right now. Or it's the other case where, ah, I don't want to change because I'm enjoying doing what I want to do. And I've been in both of those camps. Just like Satan to Eve, Satan was doing the same thing to me. Hey, man, this is, trust me, this is more pleasurable than being in the presence of God right now. But is it? Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Are you trusting in God to do what he's called you to do? Are you expecting him to equip you to do what he's called you to do? And when you do fall, are you going to be repentant? Or are you going to try to do things your own way? If you're down right now, because many of us probably are, it's just life. Somebody's, you're, you're down every once in a while. You're in the valley. You're probably in the valley more than you're on a mountaintop, I'll tell you that. Because once you're at the peak of the mountain, no matter what direction you take, you're going down. So you're at, in the valley most of the time. So if you're in that place right now that you're struggling, are you willing to look up today? Are you willing to call out to him, Lord, I need help. I'm willing to, to change. I'm willing to give myself to you. Are you repentant? So if you want to do great things for God, you need to walk towards Jesus. You need to keep your eyes on Jesus. And you need to trust him to equip you and trust him that he's going to be there when you turn back to him when you fall. So I just want to encourage you to do something great for Christ. Start living for Christ now wholeheartedly. Let's not make this a, a Sunday Christianity, but let's make this a lifestyle. Last thing I want to say is this. You can't do any of that if you don't even know Jesus. You can't do any of that if you don't have a relationship with Christ. If you don't belong to Christ, he, did you know this? He doesn't even listen to you. He listens to the prayer of a sinner calling out for a Savior. But if you're just, if you're lost, he doesn't listen to you. So, if you're here and you don't know Christ, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want to encourage you to get into a relationship with Christ. Listen, God is a holy God. That means he cannot be around sin. That means he is morally perfect. Everything he does is right. And because of our sin, so that the good news is he's good. The bad news for us is we can't have a relationship with him because we're sinners. And he's just. That means he is completely fair. He's going to judge evil He's going to take care of it. It's going to disappear one day. He's going to punish it. So the bad news for us is because we're sinners, we're going to pay the penalty. Somebody's going to pay the penalty for our sin. But he's also loving. He sent Jesus. Jesus lived a perfect life. Died the perfect death so that we could have a relationship with him. So either... You're going to accept 
Jesus' punishment, the punishment that was poured upon him, or you're going to face it yourself. The difference between people in heaven and in hell are not good and bad. Because Jesus died for all people. The only difference is people in heaven chose to accept that gift, that sacrifice, place their faith in him, said, you know what, what you did for me, I'm thankful for, and I'm giving you my life. That's the only difference. People in hell aren't bad people. People in heaven aren't good people. The only difference is that they accepted that gift of salvation. So if you're here and you never placed your faith in Christ, the truth is you're on your way to hell. The good news is that Jesus pursued you. Jesus lived that perfect life for you. He died on your behalf. Are you willing today to say, you know what, I'm, I'm done living for myself. This, this life is not worth living on my own. I'm going to give it to you. I'm placing all my faith in you. I'm turning away from living for myself, and I'm giving you everything, God. Are you willing to do that today? I'm going to come down front in just a second. And um, if you've never given your life to Christ, come see me, and we can talk about that. If you're wanting to change some things, you're wanting to make a commitment to God to do accomplish great things starting today, the altar's open, you can come up here and pray. Um, but I just want to tell you, I love y'all. Um, I want to see this church explode, not in number, but with passion for Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your patience. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the example that you gave in us with Peter. Lord, help us to do something great for your glory. Lord, help us to look to you. Lord, if there's anybody in here that is lost, that doesn't know you, Lord, help them not to be ashamed, but to be completely open and transparent with you and call out upon your name. Thank you, God, for everything. In Jesus' name, amen.